Road Rash Radio. I'm your host, Ninja XD, and this is Pimp Nasty, Funky Chapimp, and us, Stanky Chicken, Brookie C. Carlson. What's up? What's up, ladies and gentlemen? All right, so today's topic, we're going to be talking about gear, and we'll go ahead and start off with you. What kind of gear you got? Uh, currently, I have the jacket that everybody seems to be able to find in like every bike shop around, which hey. is the Icon Contra. Are you talking about that Icon jacket? Yeah, I sure am, dude. All right. The very same. It's uh, it's pretty good. It's got, instead of a windbreaker liner, like most jackets that are three-season jackets have, it has a thermal liner, so it's like got a little bit of insulation. And I actually like the windbreaker zip-out liner better because it's just waterproofing. But it's still really good, and the uh, the thing is really well-built. There's a lot of attention to detail, and the... Uh, it has a in a lot of the jackets you can tell there's really there's there's higher quality when there's a lot of attention to detail mm-hmm. and that definitely shows in this one. They have like a little St. Christopher's uh, medallion sewed into the liner um, in the inside pocket. Yeah. They've got a lot of uh, extra shaping put into it like the arms the arm it fits really well and broken in right out of the box. Yeah. Because it has like three bent arms a little bit. It almost, even though it's synthetic, it almost fits kind of like a broken in leather jacket once you've worn it a little. Which is like which the I best really feeling like. in the world. Oh, it's the best, man. It feels like it's just, it feels like it's just a second skin. But the, uh, overall, I was a little bit worried that Icon was going to be a lot of hype. And I got their gloves before I got any of their big expensive gear. To like test and it I out, actually, right? Yeah, exactly. And I actually laid a laid a bike down doing like fifty something with the gloves, and they're the cheapest Icon gloves there are, and they still held up really well. They uh, they are very inexpensive. They're like thirty or forty bucks, and they held up great. And it was a hard wreck. So I was impressed after that, and then I went on to get one of their jackets, one of their hoodies, and everything is really good quality. And the other thing I like about it is they cater to sport bikes specifically which is really cool. Right. So it's nice to have a brand that actually kind of represents us, not just not just bikes in general. So I know starting out, you uh, just kind of a brief history of your gear. You started out with a uh, Joe Rocket jacket, and then that was good, and then you moved up. You found a, was it uh, Facebook online, like Facebook Marketplace? You found a yeah. track pants and jacket? Yeah, what, what yeah. Was, I started out with. I think the, the first one, the model, the the pants were Joe Rocket, and the first jacket that I got, it's a really good deal if you're a starting rider. It's like 115 bucks, and it's called the Joe Rocket Velocity 4.0. And for 115 dollars, it's really hard to beat the value there. It's a really good jacket. I've laid it. I've laid the bike down. In that 50-mile-an-hour wreck I had with the Icon gloves, that was the same wreck where I was wearing the Joe Rocket Velocity, and it did really well. And after that, like you said, on uh, one of the Facebook pages, I got a used set of Joe Rocket track pants that were leather, and I got a set of – I had a Honda CBR at the time, and I got a matching CBR Joe Rocket jacket, and it was really good. I think that one was the Phoenix model, if I remember right. It was one of the more expensive models, more expensive than the Velocity. It was like a couple hundred dollar jacket with some leather on it. 
And overall, I've just been really impressed with their stuff. I've had two of their jackets now and a set of their track pants, and, I, and I've just been really, really enjoyed the quality they have there. And they're not one of the fancy brands that's quite as uh, marketed as Icon, but they're still really good quality. Right. So uh, I remember the kind of a, a small thing about the, the Joe Rocket, and it was the older one, is um, – it was a windbreaker, and I wasn't too – whenever you got that one, it was a little bit too small, and I was going to take it off of you and um, because it was small. And it was good, but I just, I just didn't like the fact that you were wearing, like, a windbreaker. But, I mean, yeah, besides I that – Yeah, I was a fan of it. Yeah, besides that, the pads were right where they were needing to be in the, in the shoulder pieces and, um, you know, uh, back support and everything. It was fun. But I just couldn't get over the uh, the windbreaker material, and I mean personally, I like to or it's either textile or leather for me, and I'm more gearing towards leather, like normal leather jackets. It's not even really biker jackets; it's just like actual like the leather jackets. And the thing yeah, is, sure. I mean, the thing is different from mine and what you wear is. Uh, road rash is is fine. I mean, I've wrecked on um, leather jackets, and it's been fine. I mean, I've gotten back up; it's no big deal. But impact, um, impact resistant is there's nothing. Yeah, sure. And, the leather uh, does do a really good job with the yeah. with helping with the abrasion. Yeah, but there's no there's no resistance towards like impact, like you know, actually hitting the ground or um, guardrails yeah. or hitting other objects, you know, whatever. And that's they don't that's, have fine vectors. Yeah, and that's kind of the weakness on what I normally wear. Um, but whenever we're going out, I got a it's an X element, and it has like the shoulder pads and everything. It's it's got a lot of padding. Honestly, it's got too much padding. It the sleeves zip off, but it comes off right above the elbow, and it kind of makes you like a big like football player. And I kind of like more stuff that fits. It's kind of tailored. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So that's why I kind of like Icon is because they cater to the actual person, like you said, and they know that it's not just – because mine is in general biker. It could be a, a Harley rider or something. I just like it because it stands out and other people don't have it, but it's not name brand. You know what I mean? It's got cool right. ad things, but I'm to be honest with you, I'm completely over it. I'm ready to get something yeah. else. So – yeah, I, I don't blame you. Uh, and that's why I, I've been one going thing with that the, like, Well, that's why I've been going with the leather jackets because, uh, I mean, more people, a lot of people have the leather jackets, but not very many sport bike riders unless it's like one of those $1,000 biker leather jackets. Like that guy that had uh, West Virginia Motorsports, I think he was from Charleston, and he was the only other guy with an R1. It was newer than mine, and it was he had a nice jacket. It had the back support, and it had the piece that came up to protect his neck against his helmet from uh, whiplash. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And, I mean, that yeah. thing was nice. That thing was nice. I think that day I had, like, a hoodie on, so I looked like a fucking basic douchebag, oh, dude. <laughs> like, I pull up my R1 just like his. Oh, oh, his is newer a little bit. You know, he's got all the all the, the leather gear and everything, and I got some pretty good-looking stuff, but I decided to just wear, like, a hoodie and, like, my gloves and just, like, jeans. Just you know, squid it up. And I'm just like, damn, <laughs> this is really the time to shine, and I just dropped the ball on this one, so. 
That's the worst. Dude. That's always the one time you bump into everyone you know is when you're not dressed to impress. Exactly, and that's kind of a life thing. And the good thing about the X Element that I I'll have like a link uh, to what I have. You know, it has the the leather or the not the leather the uh, the weather weather uh, liner. You know, for in the rain and stuff. Yeah. And a thing that it didn't have. Or a thing that it does have that I didn't read about it. It's not read anywhere on it. Inside, and we'll cover this later. Inside, it has a inside the chest piece. It has a compartment where you can keep a a handgun and an extra magazine. And I thought that was the coolest thing because me and old Brookie C over here, we both conceal carry no matter where we go, whether it be on bikes or whatever. Uh, like you said in the last podcast, pro Second Amendment, one hundred percent. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, Definitely. Don't you know? Don't. Don't tread on me, whatever. Anyways, so I thought that was really neat because I went back and looked, and it said nothing about that. And it was kind of like a small detail. It was a more higher-price aftermarket jacket, you know, just like yours. Yeah. It was an icon, but it was just like a little detail. Like, people may be like, Yeah, it's like that little St. Christopher amulet sewed into the the little St. Christopher medallion sewed into that inside pocket. The little details make a difference. You expect to see that stuff when you're paying good money right and the thing i've noticed is it fits better if <laughs> it's kind of funny there's like an uh, it's like an air pocket in your chest because it's like it was made a little bit with too much uh room but i found yeah. out whenever i was trading that macro off to that guy in charleston whenever i got that uh keltec was it yeah it was, I yeah think, yeah keltec anyways yeah so it was Kel- whenever i got that uh, my jacket, I found out because I just got it. It fit perfectly whenever I had a handgun in my chest piece. It, I, it fit perfectly around my waist and everything. I had no room, and I felt like a fucking baller. Because, I mean, yeah, the, the, the pistol and everything was cool, but the jacket fit so much better. It was like the FBI jackets, how they're tailored to have like a, a side holster so you can't really tell. Well, that's how that jacket is. And if it wasn't for me being such a little guy, uh, I mean, I would be happy with it. Yeah, I definitely know exactly what you mean, man. I, uh, I've had the fitting issue with a couple of them in the past. But we're moving on to the raw segment here. And just real quick, for any new riders, like I said before, if you want a good value in the Joe Rocket jacket, that model is the Velocity 4.0. And it's $115, and it's it's really it's really cool in hot, and it has the zip-out rain liner. So that's super good jacket for the money. Anybody who's a beginning rider. Okay, and I'll put a uh, a link to, in the description of the stuff that we normally wear, uh, gear-wise, whenever we wear gear, and um, in the description. So you guys look out for that. And if you want to go ahead and get into the raw, I think you said you had a BMW story you wanted to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is a little bit of it's not hating on on the S1000 because I love the S1000 and uh it's just a couple of issues in general with modern BMW sport bikes. And I got to ride a S1000 RR recently, which was a really cool experience. But it was unfortunate the circumstances leading up to it. <laughs> I think you said you got payment by riding it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) 
the the whole thing started out with a group ride from um, West Virginia Sport Bikes, which is like a Facebook page where locals all get together and organize group rides in the area. Yeah. And me and a few guys all got together and we went out to this area in Wyoming County, which was out in the middle of nowhere. So we're hitting some twisties. We're absolutely out in the middle of nowhere. There's nothing close by. There's not even a little towns. Like out there, it's almost like a scaled down version of what you see in like Texas and stuff. It's like when you see a gas station, you definitely want to stop while you <laughs> while you have the opportunity. Yeah. Like that kind of area. We're hitting some twisties. Me and my guy Scott Burdett are in the lead and we go burn through the twisties. After about probably a mile and a half of them, we hit the other side of the bottom of this mountain and we're waiting on everybody and it's taken forever. And we're like, man, what is going on? You know, we're waiting and waiting. Well, finally, Scott's like, dude, something something is up. So we whip the bikes around. We start heading back up the mountain. We get about halfway up, and we come around a curve, and I see one of our buddies with his bike on the shoulder walking up the road with his helmet in his hand and nobody else around. And we're like, fuck, all right, we know how this, you know, know how this goes. Yeah. So we don't even slow down and ask him what's up. We just keep heading right around the next turn. Sure enough, come right around the next turn, and there's this big cliff wall because you're going down a mountain. you got to drop off on one side and a cliff wall on the other. We come around the curve, and my boy that's on the BMW S1000, he has the bike on its side in the grass with – Oil leaking out of the <laughs> leaking out from under in between the frame and the tank, just dripping out of there with the rear wheel spinning still oh, in awful. gear. Yeah, and he's like 30 feet up the road. And my other buddy that was also like me on the uh, 750, he had gone down too. Well, apparently, what had happened is homeboy in the S1000 went down first, and then the dude on the 750 was right behind him, and they both went down at the same time because the first guy wrecked. Well, <laughs> this dude, uh, Glenn, I, I hate to throw him under the bus. He's a great dude. But the second his bike went down, he didn't pick it back up or hit the kill switch. He's, he's, he's not even, like, really laying down this BMW hard. It's like a light lay down into grass. It wasn't messed up at all. But he leaves it running, doesn't even pick it up, hit the kill switch or anything. He just leaves it running and, being the good dude that he is, goes running up the road to catch our buddy that laid down uh, the 750 and see that he's all right. So I run up and pull off onto the shoulder as fast as I can. I flip my kickstand down and go running over to the S1000 and hit the kill switch on as fast as I can and just start muscling it up. I push it onto the shoulder. The one dude that was on the 750 has like a broken toe or something. He's got a little bit of road rash. But he's not real torn up or anything. Everybody's yeah. fine. And we go over to the shoulder, and all right, I'm like, okay, this thing's definitely flooded, of course. And the oil is leaking out, but it didn't look like that much had leaked. And I check the glass and look at the oil level, and the oil level's fine. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, all right, the thing should start. You know, I'm sure it's going to take some cranking because it's flooded, but it'll start. Yeah. So I go over there to crank it. It's in neutral, pull the clutch in, hit the start button. It doesn't even turn over. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, we, this is not the time. You know, we're out in the middle of nowhere. Homeboy on the Jixer gets his started right away. few cranks, and it blows through the, uh, <laughs> it blows through the flooded out. And it 
starts right up. This thing won't even crank. So finally, I'm looking at it, and me and Scott are looking at it, and we're like, the only thing that it could be is some sensor recognizing, I'm like, man, the oil totally got up into the airbox. Because you know how the airbox is sort of in front of the gas tank? Yeah. Well, there's oil all around there. So you think it's like, choking it up? Well, I'm like, maybe there's a sensor that can recognize when it's choked a bunch. Yeah. You know? And so I'm like, all right, well, that's cool, man. Like, I've got a backpack full of tools. We'll just oh, get into the airbox really easily. Like, that's not ever a hard pull. I've done it a million times on the CBR. Dude, an hour and 45 minutes. This thing is built so tight. Like, every little thing, you'll get the bolts all the way out, and you'll go to pull on it, and it's all so tightly jammed in there. Dude, German engineering is amazing, but they, they build their stuff so tight, you cannot hardly get into anything. So there's no room for tools. There, dude, there is no room for anything. And we're like totally backyard mechanic in this thing, like on the side of the road. The whole time we're there, there's like a total of two cars that pass us. So like we're in the middle of we're in the middle of nowhere, man. I finally get this thing opened up and me and Scott pull this filter out and slide it. It's this super weird filter. Normally the airbox is like a sandwich. It's horizontal and in the middle is the air filter in between like two plastic shells. You unbolt the shells and they open up and the air filter sandwiched in the middle. Not the BMW. It's got like this slide-in filter where you don't actually get to open the airbox all the way. You like slide this thing in and out like you said a minute ago, you gotta like finesse this thing in and out of this. <laughs> Dude, it's ridiculous. Yeah. So we get it out and it's soggy with oil. And I'm like, all right, sweet. You know, that's what it is, blah, blah. So we clean it up as best we can. We put it back in, still nothing. And our boys over there on the cell phone, like Googling this thing and reading on forums, like, you know how that goes the whole time we're sitting there. Yeah. Finally, he's like, dude, I figured out how we can do this reset. And we can reset everything, and that will keep the sensor from tripping now that we've cleaned the air filter out. We're like, all right, dude, we did a freaking rain dance to get this thing working. <laughs> we disconnect. All right, so first off, it's standard. You disconnect the battery terminal. Right. But it has to be like only this one battery terminal, and you have to leave it disconnected for 35 minutes. Apparently, even with the thing disconnected, there's some internal timer on the bike where it registers how long it's disconnected. So right after 35 minutes, you have to reconnect it. So we do that, and we're sitting there timing it. Then after that, you have to open the throttle all the way and hold it and close it and do it for like – we have to do it three times. And then like, dude, it was – you have stupid. to hold your face right to get this thing working. It was stupid, man. We finally get it done and everything perfectly by the book. My buddy's sitting there with a stopwatch on his cell phone, timing the throttle open and the close and making sure we do it all the right way. The thing resets and it shows us on the little digital screen on the dash that it's reset. And we're yeah. like, sweet, it works. Nothing. It won't even turn over. Finally, Scott and I are like, dude, we are going to do what we should have done the first time. Even though it's a leader bike, you can still get those things roll started. You just got to roll start up third gear. Yeah. yeah. So mm -hmm. I Scott is like 200-pound dude. He gets on this bike, and I push his ass and get him going as fast as I can. 
Then he goes flying down the mountain and just with the clutch in. Flies down the mountain, hits probably 50, and then dumps the clutch in third gear and blows like this 20-foot cloud of blue smoke out the back of this thing. It's flooded to hell. So it, it runs fine. That's all it was. It burns off the – it burns through the oil, burns through being flooded out. He comes back up the mountain, and we both go over there, and Glenn, the dude that owns the bike, Scott and I are like, dude, we are totally riding this thing for a little bit now because that was ridiculous, and we were the ones that fixed it. Yeah. <laughs> so he's yeah. like, cool, cool. You know, he's being awesome and letting us do it. So I actually got to ride this thing over the mountain, which was awesome because I'd never been on one. And they really are incredible. They handle amazing. Super great handling, super fast. The whole launch control thing with the electronics is cool. You can get really fast takeoff because it's it's like controlling your slippage and everything, if I understand it correctly. But it was a um, great bike, really great handling. But honestly, after that experience, it goes back to what I'm always talking about. Like I think I would own a Japanese bike before that one because it was such a pain. I just – Man, it, it should have just been absolutely nothing, and it turned into the biggest deal. So okay, um, that's my BMW rant. Okay, so I know both of our bikes have sensors, right? But yeah. I think I mean I know that they're good for you know blah 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 whatever. But I think that they're more. I see. I can't say it, but. I want to say they're more harm than good, but I know it does so much, like because it has so much to do with fuel injection which is like a, a night and day difference from carburation and i mean it's huge it's huge and it needs it needs sensors i understand that but it seems like the more uh, i hate to say this the more electronics that they put into bikes and you know fuel system uh, recognitions and uh like you said to see if it's flooded or not and then if it's wrong it doesn't matter because it says it's flooded so it's going to act like it yeah I don't know. I feel like there should be an emergency. Feelings, well, wait. I feel like there should be an emergency kill switch for if a sensor's wrong and you're on a back road and you can't do anything about it that turns it back into more or less a carbureted bike. It just, the instead of fuel injection, it would just go to like, it would use the fuel injectors as a carburetor. It would be uh, gravity fed. Right. I know what you're saying. It would like go if into. Could just like the you new, could just get the thing at least roll started or something. Yeah, like, like some, how new cars, whenever the CPUs go bad or something goes bad, it'll still let you go home because it goes into limp mode and it limps yeah. home. You know, because it'll get you home, but it'll have like half to a quarter of the power, and you're gonna know something's wrong because it's you know. Yeah. But it'll get you home. I feel like that's something that bikes are lacking because it feels good, like you know good. you're with a car and you just load it up. Well. Nine times out of ten, especially me and you, we're going to be pretty far away from home, and we're going to have to rely on somebody else if it breaks down and we have to tow Absolutely. it back. Exactly. Absolutely. So I feel like there should be a limp mode. Yeah, that's a good and point, I, I man. Feel like, I mean, we were, more, we were more than two hours from Glenn's home when that bike went down. And see, what would happen? You would have had to pay a tow bill, and that would be, what, three? Through I'd say route. about 300 bucks. Yeah, yeah. For a sensor, dude. And and not yeah. for major work because a sensor uh, did a well. False... The stupidest thing is, is, thank goodness these things are still shifted manually because you can still put it in gear, hold the clutch in, and run it down a mountain and blow all the stuff out without petting the starter button. They turn on. 
See, because, and, dude, if it wasn't for that, there was nothing wrong with it. And see, it was fine. this would bring me into another topic, but there is a such thing as automatic bikes. And I think you can agree with me that I fucking hate them. I think that is I the shittiest thing. I understand if you're – okay, look. Me and you, we don't drag race. We don't we're, – we're, we've never been about drag race and not about brute force. We've been more rally uh, track courses. Uh, whenever we, you know, was in the car scene, it would be more about who could – it's not in a straight line. It was, you know, going in – I mean, that's how you wreck behind Lowe's is because going through the exactly. turns and everything, that's skill. Exactly. That's not just powerhouse. That takes skill. That's driver skill. Well, it's the same thing with the bikes. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah, all about handling and and seeing what you can get the machine to do, not just banging gears in a straight line or yeah. an automatic transmission jamming your foot to the floor and holding the steering wheel straight. Because, yeah, pe a lot of people say that automatics are faster, and that may be true in a straight line, but an automatic transmission does not know when to downshift in a turn because you're getting ready to take off in a straightaway right after the turn. Unless you For have sure. like some kind of... You know, uh, paddle shifters, paddle shifters, but and then you're still manual shifting. That's not the same. You're still, even without a clutch, though, it's still manual shifting. And and my whole thing is, you're right. In a straight line, it may be faster, but if if it comes to the curves, give me more control. I don't need the the engine to be taking care of where the power band is. I want to be able to go. Listen, I know at eight grand, this thing takes off. So I want to be able to bang a gear down fast before I pull out of the corner and know that I can hit that sweet spot at eight grand and just take off like a rocket coming and out of the corner. And knowing that, and knowing that makes that bike or car an extension of yourself. Exactly. Because you are instead of you know driving and then you got to paddle shifters and everything, and then one foot's one foot's brake and the other or one foot is brake and gas and the other foot is just to stabilize you in your seat how much fun is that it's not uh also until you know you have a standard where you're driving with your left hand and right you know but you're shifting with your right hand too and then you have yeah. your gas and your brake on your right foot as normal but you got your clutch in the left on your left foot so i mean you're fully engaged into this machine you're fully integrated great point yeah you're using like all four limbs to make the thing and work i mean yeah. you're you're more focused on what's going on versus sitting there you know you got one foot gas brake and then you got paddle shifters and the other foot's just kind of stabilizing in your seat you know and you're you know it feels like not, you're kind of dis yeah you're distant, i know what you mean it's it's like a vehicle and you don't want to drive a vehicle in a race you want to drive yeah. an extension of yourself that you understand personally. Yeah. yeah. I know where the power I, band I, starts yeah. and stops on every one of my bikes, cars, everything, because I've been there. You know what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. I mean, you know how it was back when I had the Street Fighter CBR, man. You're running something, and I didn't have a gauge on the bike. I literally did not have a single gauge. But you knew I where had everything was. Fuel, where if the thing started, if the thing started choking and 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 that's when you knew it was out of fuel and you reached down and flipped the switch. Like there was literally not a, there wasn't an instrument cluster on the whole bike. And I still knew where the power band was by ear. Like you definitely, you I definitely wanna, need. I want to sure. bring this up. My dad was talking about um, like back in the day, hot rods and stuff. My dad's about hot rods. And, and um, he, uh, 
he would talk about how gauges were just coming out. They had like the speedometer and the RPMs, and that was pretty much it. And whenever they would have stuff like transmission, heat, you know, heated transmission and fuel and uh, oil gauge oil and everything. Pressure. Yeah. He said that was called the idiot's, uh, the idiot gauge or the moron gauge. I think that's what it's called, moron gauge, because you should be checking that on your own vehicle all the time before you leave For and sure. everything. And I mean, I'm guilty. I use it. You're guilty. Yeah. You use it. Most yeah. of us use it. Yeah. But I'm just saying, you need to know what's going on instead of just looking at your gauges. You need to be proactive when something goes on wrong. You need to attempt to, if you can't fix it yourself, you need to find out what happened so you know next time even if you take it someplace else to get it fixed at least be invested enough to try to find out more about your machine exactly exactly so i think we're going to go ahead and end it right here and um it, do you have anything else to say no i think that'll be it guys hit so, us up uh, on instagram throttle therapy 7 and your facebook ninja xd yeah, and this is going to be on uh, As Normal, SoundCloud, and YouTube. Make sure to subscribe, comment. Uh, we love to, uh, you know, argue, talk, uh, agree, whatever. Yeah, give us, give us some feedback. Tell us, tell us whether you agree or disagree. We're all we're trying to learn more ourselves. And I'm kind of thinking about setting up a Reddit page, too, so that we can kind of be back and forth. Because cool. it seems like a lot of people, there's a lot of motorcycle Reddit pages. <laughs> So we'll I'll look into that and uh, we'll get with you on the next episode. What's going on with that? Um, but I guess that's it. You got anything else to say? No, that'll be it. It's Ninja XD and Throttle Therapy Seven signing out. <laughs>